Previously on Nub City. I got an assignment for you. You've been floundering here in the office, and I want to get you back out in the field. What do you say? I like it here in the office. Yeah, well, the office doesn't like you here. Nub City accounted for more than two-thirds of our total dismemberment and loss of limb cases last year. We call these guys the Nub Club. Seems someone in Vernon got wise, realized that a life insurance policy pays out in full if there is a loss of two limbs. We haven't heard from her for about a week. Uh, I'd like to play you something. This is her last correspondence. It was made of paper. We're gonna send you with a partner. And don't complain, I know you like to work alone. So, you must be, uh... Mr. Baron. There's rumors. Some voodoo cult out in the woods. There's been blood spattered on the door of my church nigh every week for the last year. Well, it's a good thing it's a Saturday night and we don't have a hotel booked. Looks like we'd love to have a, our own sighting of these so-called cultists. Might not be a bad idea. You've reached Donutland Express as you're conversing and you, you pull into the car park. Across the road from you on Main Street, someone set up, you know, a, a row of American flags. Probably about a hundred of them lining the road. All of them uh, so that, you know, in this fairly windless area, aren't just hanging limply. All of them are set up for the pole to go up vertically and then jut out at about a 60 degree angle so that the flags hang down. Which gives the impression of uh, a bunch of people standing in a line with their necks craned over strangely. All these sad-looking flagpoles, lamenting, <laughs> holding the American flag. Uh, you see, Donutland Express has a far more whimsical name than its building would imply. <laughs> it's a, a very dull brick edifice with a grey slab roof. Uh, the windows contain no decoration. Uh, no menus, no art or anything like that. Just a drab sign that says Donut Land Express over the unpaved dirt car park out front of a fairly rundown looking establishment. But inside, things are a little bit less bleak. Uh, the inside is, is painted in a 1950s pastel blue with you know, rusted chromed rails running over the once trendy surface counters and uh, seating and chairs. Uh, inside there's two people. There's a man uh, sitting down with his nose in the paper with one arm and one leg drinking what looks like a cherry milkshake. That's our man. There's also a woman serving pies and coffee. Now listen here Mason. You have a tendency to come on strong, but I think for this one, just hold back a bit. You see, when you hold back, a lot of the time you can get them to say, well, whatever's in the darkest recesses of their mind. Alright, you know what? I'll let you take the lead on this one. I'll just sit back, chill, and I'll drink my coffee. First of all, let's sit here for a time. Scope it out. Excuse me, gentlemen. Can I get you something? The woman is uh, quite attractive, but past her prime. 
uh, blonde woman in her 40s. Uh, yes, ma'am. I'd like um, just coffee. But make it strong. Any sugar for you, sugar? Two sugars? Not sweet enough, I take. But that's okay, I got what you need. And she turns around and starts making your coffee. As for you? White bread. <laughs> Two slices. Well, gosh, I'm sorry, honey, but we ain't got no white bread. We only sell pastries and the like. I could get you a plain donut. You got salt and pepper? Well, yes. John Barron opens up his suitcase, sits down, ignores the waitress, um, pulls out a few slices of white bread, puts them down on the plate, methodically slices off each of the crusts, pours on the pepper, then the salt shaker holds up to the light coming through the window, and in the plastic salt shaker there's a small bug sort of scrambling around, trying to make its way out. And then John Barron turns it vertically and, and smothers it in the salt as he pours it over and rolls up his white bread sandwich. Repulsive. Damn. What kind of freak are you? No wonder you're so feeble and long <laughs> and droopy. I may look feeble, but... Uh, my muscles are taut. And he sort of pulls up his sleeve and you can see a very veiny forearm. Um, f- sort of fibrous. <laughs> Excessive self-description. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he, he gives a small smile at uh, Mason. Uh, each to their own, my father always said. And no harm ever befell him. Well, your coffee's up. And it's uh, terrible in all the ways people from Florida like. (laughs) You're from Florida, so, you know, that might be right up your alley. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go up to old Bobby and uh, tap him on the shoulder. Um, He jolts around. Oh, what? Um, Oh, um, uh, I'm sorry. Do I know you? No. You don't. He's an older gentleman, probably in his 50s, grey hair. He has an intelligent-looking face and a humorous expression. He he seems like a lively guy. It's just passing through, oh, Vernon. And, uh, well, I just thought I'd better ask a local any, any things to see and do around here. Anything to see and do in Vernon? <laughs> Well, I think you come to the wrong town, sir. Uh, please, uh, take a seat across from me. I am one of the local attractions. My name's Bob. But of course, one in seven people in this town are called Bob. He smiles wryly. Bob Cobbler. Bob Cobbler. John Barron. Pleased to make your acquaintance, Mr. Barron. And it's Mason, Bob. Nice to meet you. Oh, friends with the law, I see. Ah, don't worry, don't worry. I'm off duty. (laughs) That isn't what your uniform would indicate, but I will take your word for it. Risky as that is. I just thought I'd stop by for a bite to eat before, you know, 
I'd get changed, just clocked off. Listen, I don't mean to be offensive or nothing like that, but it doesn't do us well to be seen talking to uniformed officers of the law in this town. Now, I would happily speak with you gentlemen at some other interval, but I can't be seen in a local public eatery with a uniformed police officer. Why is that, old Bobby? There are things in this town that people would prefer to keep secret. Now, if you would excuse my charade. I don't want no business with you, he shouts loudly and walks out of the cafe. Before turning back and flicking a wink. He whispers. I live down on Main Street. Only around the corner from here. You find my house. It's the one with the smashed up Jeep out front. Looks like Bobby's trying to, you know, keep a tough demeanor in front of the public. Looks like he wants to talk, as these psychopathic types often do. I think we won't even need to ask any questions. Well, now the day's getting old. Uh, the time is probably about mm, 6 p.m. About 6 p.m. Uh, should we go? Should we go? We can go, always go to good old Bobby's in the morning. Scope out this church. See if in, see if this whole cult rumor is what the locals say it is. Agreed. Although, while there's still an inkling of daylight left, I wouldn't mind checking out the river. Maybe uh, just walking along the river's edge. A nice stroll after dinner. Alright, as you walk down to the riverside, uh, you sort of take a um, fairly direct route down uh, McFatter Avenue. That's the real name of a real street. Uh, you get to the end of McFatter Avenue, and uh, it, there's a sort of bush track leading down to the creek. What about the ambiences of the buzz of Zakatas and the. Conspicuously? No. In fact, you notice uh, you haven't heard cicadas uh, the whole time you've been here, which is very strange because that's normally the sound you'd expect being out near the creek this time of year. Um, so you guys, uh, yeah, walking down McFadder Avenue into the uh, sort of swampier area heading down to the river. Uh, now that is a bit of a treacherous walk. And as you do... Uh, can you give me a spot hidden? This will be our first roll of the game. Mm, both of us? Yeah. Just tell me what you get. And remember, lower is better in Cthulhu. 58. 78. Okay. Well, yeah, Mason can see it. Uh, Mason, as you walk down, you see a strange grey-brown coloured wasp. Doesn't look like any wasp you've ever seen. It has huge, horrible mandibles. Uh, this wasp is enormous. It's about the size of your thumb or bigger. And its mandibles look big enough. They're almost the size of, like, human teeth. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, Mr. Baron. Damn. Do you see the size of that thing? You bug hunter, you see Jackson. That? Damn, I've never seen anything like that in my goddamn life. Now, as you're watching, it darts down to the ground. And attack something and you see it writhing around on the dirt and then it takes up into the air carrying a rat 
Whoa. And not a, not a tiny rat. You know, a rat about the size of you know, your two fists. So the and rat's this, bigger than the wasp. Yes, but the wasp is carrying it with bizarre strength proportionate to its size. It looks like a helicopter carrying a tank in Vietnam. Ah, I've never seen anything like that. As Jace, as Jackson sort of pulls out his revolver, I steady his hand. Just let it go. There's something hell eerie going on around here in this creek, this river, and this bloody forest. You think a bug that big could take off a limb? Well, it just carried a rat as big as my goddamn head. Short sure could at least cut off a couple fingers. <laughs> I was trying to make a joke, Jackson. Do you want to keep proceeding toward the creek? It's quite dark and getting darker. We'll proceed to the creek and stand on its edge. Um, okay, before you get to the edge, as you get down within sight of water, you hear from the water's edge the telltale sound. That's about the best alligator I can do. <laughs> you might want to add uh, in a better one. You hear an alligator sound coming up. I don't know about you, Mr. Baron, but I ain't ready to go Crocodile Dundee down in the fucking river. I say we head back that way, scope out the church, before I get my ass snapped the hell up by a crocodile All or right. an alligator, I don't know. Well, you got your gator gun in the back of the car. Um, behind you, you hear a low growl. I spin around and point my rifle in that direction. You can't see anything at all. There's thick, dense woodland. Completely still. But then as your eyes adjust, after about a minute of looking, you see a black panther. Enormous, with bright yellow eyes, looking right at you from the undergrowth. You could have easily missed it, but by chance, your eyes have glinted upon it. It's hugely muscled, freakishly big, standing between you and the path back. How big? Like, how far is it from me? It would be about 20 feet. A distance that it could cover in less than a second. I'm going to shoot it. Jackson. You got, you got your rifle locked, locked and loaded there. Okay, you're going to take a shot? Yeah. Well, you're going to have to roll firearms. Now, what yeah. stat did I give you firearms? 80. An 80. You're a very good shot. So, in all likelihood, 62. Well, that's a regular hit. Um, so, you manage to glancingly shoot this panther, and you hear it growl loudly and dart off into the woodland. You clipped it. Back off, cat. Nice. Well, let's hope that your shooting that you did in the firing range comes in handy as well should hold your gun ready. It could be more of them out there. I sort of finger finger the gun in his holster. Right, uh, I didn't know it was so dangerous in the woods. That little boy could have just got snatched up with one of those damn big cat things, whatever it was. I just, I remember reading the paper years ago, years ago, about the story of this zookeeper. Terrible, terrible accident there. All these animals escaped. Then he shot himself. 
remember reading it over a cup of joe back could have been a decade ago. They said they captured all the animals, but some locals I've heard have seen sightings here and there of strange animals, sometimes large, lurking in the forests. Could have been one of them. Well, I reckon that gator gun in the back of the car could probably take that thing down in one shot. I suggest keep it on your back every time we come down here. Well, I didn't expect it to be so damn fucking, you know, I didn't expect there to be so much wildlife down here. No wonder no one lives here. Let's get back in the car and hold Let's up get the, the hell out of here. So we head back to the car and um, sit up. Outside the uh, the church, waiting. Okay, well, it's gonna be a long night. It's not even that late yet, actually. You guys getting dinner or anything like that? Um, I'll have one of my signature sandwiches. I don't know what is there to eat around. Well, there's the donut place. You know what? I'm just gonna eat donuts. Yeah, like a like a true cop. Like a yeah, like a true cop. Um. You guys have holed up in the car, but, you know, at about 8 p.m., mm-hmm. uh, the uh, the priest from the African-American church named Luke Jefferson uh, comes up to your window and knocks on it to wind it down. As you wind it down, he... I wind down the window. Hands in a, a little bag and smells really good. Some of my missus cooking. Uh, we were mighty appreciative of you taking up the task, uh, if you need a place to sleep it off in the morning, my house is only next door to the church. But please, enjoy. Thank you kindly. Walks away inside the bag of some biscuits, gravy, fried chicken, real good staple southern food. It's uh, very high quality too, very well cooked. Uh, the car immediately smells of delicious food. I guess you guys wait for the next... We'll sleep in shifts. Can I get each of you to... Uh, just roll uh, a percentile for... We'll make it a spot hidden. Um, I'll say that you've got a spot hidden of about 70. John Barron, he can have a spot hidden of about 70. And the uh, the police officer Mason can have a spot hidden of about 60. Okay. I, I rolled 41. Okay. 91. Okay, so John Barron uh, sleeps through his watch. But at about 2 a.m., you think you see something, Mason. A movement in the shadows out by the door of the church. Uh, Some figure wearing all black. John, John, wake up. He doesn't wake up. Wake up. No, he's hard asleep. I look closer. Where's it dart? Is it like just darted across the... Church yeah, toward or, the church. Towards the church from... From across the road. Mm. Uh, it's been about 15 seconds now. The shapes lingered a little bit moving in a crouched position by the door. I'm going to pick up my Remington rifle and I'm going to head towards, sneak towards the church. I'm just going to hide behind one of the pillars and take a closer look. Okay. Yeah. Um, you're getting out of the car, you mean? Yeah. Okay. As you get out of the car and uh, move toward, you take about... Ten steps when you see the figure in black has started running away. Okay, I'll chase him. Stop! Stop right there! You've chased about 
for the state police. meters <laughs> when you hear a loud bang and something near your feet explodes. Shit. A gunshot, you think, uh, ricocheting off the road beside you, coming from ahead of you, where the man's just run off towards Okay. Um, that's going to wake you up. Mm. Um, now your partner's out of the car and about, you know, 100 metres up the road at this point. I look around and I see him. You can hear me probably. Yeah. He's shouting very loud. Yeah. I'm going to cling to the shadows and um, follow running quickly. I'm going to lock the doors though. As you step out of the car and start to run, you feel something grab your ankle. Uh, immediately you crash down to the ground. I look behind me and I start sort of kicking with my legs. What do I see? Okay, under the car you can see a man wearing all black with black grease paint covering his face and skin so that his features are completely black except for his white teeth, which look almost like fangs, and his white eyes with which he's glaring back at you. He has a hold of your ankle, and in the other hand he's holding a barber's straight razor, and he's swishing it toward your tendons. I fumble for my revolver. Okay, let's cut back over to Mason. Mm -hmm. Mason, you're chasing in the dark as a gunshot goes off next to you. Um, You think you see a muzzle flash ahead, Mm -hmm. not coming from where the man ran to, but coming from uh, the bushes out beside, you know, a little wooded area on the road. After that muzzle flash, about, you know, a fraction of a second later, another piece of pavement beside you explodes. Little shards of concrete and gravel hit you in the leg, cutting you. I'm going to dive roll to the nearest car. Okay. Uh, Yep. That'll be a short stretch. Can you just give me uh, just an agility test? I'll give you an agility of 60. Sauce 68. Okay. So that's a fail. Um, So you go to dive roll and as you do, another shot pops off and it catches you. Uh, You just think on the leg somewhere. You you feel a sharp pain. Um, It's all in the heat of the moment right now and you're not sure how bad it is but you managed to roll under the car with a minor wound bleeding. Where's John Barron, goddamn? Well, you can see him. As you put your back to the car and look back, you see your partner on the ground kicking at something under the car. Ah, God damn it. Now he's about 100 metres away. So I see him on the ground and I can see the guy under the car. 100 yeah. metres away, though. 100 metres. And John Barron, can you give me a brawl check? I'll do one for the uh, assailant as well. 43. Yep, okay, well, you get out brawled. Mm. Um, your assailant manages to get a minor cut. He doesn't He doesn't manage to hit exactly where he wants because you've both struggled fairly successfully. Uh, but he does manage to cut at the underside of your foot. Um, now, you did have shoes on, but this razor is sharp. Mm. And it slashed the side of your shoe and, and just cut into your sole of your foot very slightly. Okay, I'm just going to... Um try and kick his face with my other leg, the one he's not holding on to, just as hard as I can. Um, smash his nose in with the... Um, okay, give me a second brawl. My boot. 29. Okay, yeah, you managed to stomp in his face. And for a moment, he lets go and tries to pull himself up, hitting his head on the roof of the... on the, the underside of the car, um, exposing him. Okay. I'm seeing this commotion. I'm going to run back to help John Barron. Okay. Um, so you get up to run and put weight on your leg immediately. Your leg I'm gives like, out from under you. I'm just going to like sort of cleave my way 
towards him on the ground, kind of, with hobbling on one, putting all my weight on, weight on my other leg, sort of using cars as to sort of support. There's not that many cars. Okay. Um, you hear three shots go off as you do that, and the windows of the car behind you smash, and mm. you hear a tire pop, and the car sort of okay. lowers, um, and then it stops the shooting behind you. Uh, you manage to close about 20 metres, but you're going to put yourself wide in the open if you crawl any further. Okay, I, I just wanted to uh, get... This happens as you see your partner kick the guy in the face and yeah. knock him forward. Um, now that he's not clenching him anymore, mm. I can I'll try to take a clear shot. You can attempt... You're a very good shot. Yeah, but I was just scared of as hitting him while he was yeah, grabbing Yeah, it's a reasonable concern. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're going to need a hard success Yeah. Uh, to hit him. You'd have to fail your check. I'm going to gonna lie down on the floor while taking the yeah. shot. Yeah. yeah. So if you roll a 40 or better. Okay. I rolled a five. That's a crit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, your shot flies exactly where you want it to. Between the two front tires of the car and into the man's side, hitting his center of gravity just like you're trained. Um, you see a bullet burst through your assailant passing in one side and out the other, deflating both lungs as he immediately aspirates blood. His eyes widen and then go soft. Well, Mason, seems you've proved yourself help and not hindrance, I muttered to myself. You hear screaming in the darkness behind you where the shots were coming from before, and then a car screeching away into the dark. There. Think, I think I'm bleeding now. I need to catch a breather. Uh, I only stopped smoking five years ago. Whew. As you manage to pull the strip off your pants, you see uh, the gunshot wound is not as bad as you'd fear. So it's more of a graze? Um, or is no, it actually the bullets in my... in and out. The bullet's yeah. not still in you, okay. but it's passed through like the meaty part of your calf and not the whole calf muscle or anything like that. Just, so, just it's flanked you basically. So it's somewhere between a graze and a and a and a wound, um, but it's nowhere near as bad as you'd thought. Sure. Do you think it's like a big gouge? If I luck roll, can I see? Is there a first aid kit in my car? Would cops carry? There that? is a first aid kit in your car. Cops sure. have that for sure. Wouldn't they? Surely, right? Yeah. Uh, so you can crawl your way back to your car. Yeah. I'll grab the first aid kit. Um, put your arm over my shoulder and limp over to the Pastor Luke. Yeah, Luke Jefferson's already coming out of the house. Yeah. And his wife's standing in the doorframe. He runs over and he's got a young son. When I say young, I mean about 18. So, you know, fairly muscled and, you know, healthy. Who runs over with a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah, I say to the young boy, behind the car, there's another body. Get him. Not yeah. sure he's quite dead yet. Uh, he looks under and says, This guy ain't breathing. Get him anyway. Stay back there, young Sonny. If I was you, I'd get back in the house. There's two, two more of them out there, and they're carrying guns. The father looks at the son and nods, and the son goes inside with the mother. Um, now, mind telling me what just happened? Uh. Uh. Not quite sure just yet. We thought we got to sneak up on them. Well, I thought. But they got to sneak up on us. This damn, damn... This guy was... He was under the car the whole time. Now, as you talk, you're sort of bandaging up the wound on your leg. The past looks concerned. You're gonna need a little more light to deal with that, son. Why don't you come inside right now? Just... Just hold on a second. Can you check the body? Turn out his pockets? 
Yeah. On my way. I limp over. Okay. As you get to the body and roll him over, you can see he's quite dead. Uh, but as you reach to empty out his pockets, um, you see the man's mouth open slowly. And before you know it, a large grey wasp about the size of your thumb, a brownish grey colour, crawls out of his mouth onto your arm and stings you extremely painfully. Oh, fuck! Uh, It feels utterly bizarre. The wasp sting, instead of being hot and you know, acidic, like you'd expect a, an insect bite to feel like it feels cold and numb. Almost like you're giving blood, or like something's been taken out of you. Can I stamp it before it? No, it takes off very quickly. Baron, what's what's all that commotion about? You just had to search the body. What happened? One of them grey wasps come out and stung me real good. What? Ah. Oh. Now, already your arm is turning quite grey-coloured. I'm turning grey, Jackson. I told you there was something fucked up going on in that forest. I saw that that damn big grey wasp. Big as my whole hand. Carrying two rats. Anyway, we better better head up down to the house. Yeah, I pull myself to the house and um, Pastor Luke sees the, the wound. You ever seen anything like this before? Oh, yes, he has. Tell me what, what's happening to me. <laughs> I can't see straight right now. Son, you got gone bit by one of them murder hornets or whatever they are. Murder hornets? Why, why are they called murder hornets? Because they don't kill a man with their bites, but... Listen, I think... I think getting stung once might be okay. I'd be... New around here, truly. Uh, strange grey wasps. I, I ain't seen one myself, but I known a few to get stung. Uh, come inside. We put some ice on it real fast. Um, it feels cold. Ice is about the last thing you want to put on it. And you have this strange sensation that your arm is empty. Uh, you feel like you're... It's, it's really hard to describe, but you feel like your arm is hollow. And that if you squeezed hard on the skin, it would break or give in like fragile porcelain and crumble. Maybe we should just chop the whole damn thing off. Well, if you did that, we'd have a place to stay tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the night passes in relative discomfort. Uh, The Jeffersons are very hospitable and obliged to have you. You're well-fed and amply provisioned, cleaned up. You've got clean bandages. Um... I assume, do you guys want to call for any assistance or backup to deal with the body, or...? Well, at some point we remember the body and we sort of pull it into the, yeah. the porch light and... Did you leave us- the body unattended? If you left the body unattended, which I assume you just did, uh, for, you know, more than ten minutes, by the time you get back it's gone. Okay. Yeah. The body's I mean, the body's gone. I, d- I don't know if does, we could have even called... What backup do we call? There's no police... Well, the police station's a 20-minute drive. Okay. But, yeah. The body's gone now. Yeah. <laughs> Something tells me it's better we do this on our own. I say you're right about that. Unless we could get a couple henchmen. I got the only henchman I need, and I pat Jackson on the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I took a heavy hit back there, man. Um, as you've cleaned it up, it's it's not too bad. You think you'll be, you know, able to move around. Maybe not mm. like heavy running and things, okay. but it's not going to get in the way of walking. And mm. if you're in a pinch and you've got adrenaline set in, True. you'll be able to fight like normal. I should be up and running tomorrow morning. Just need a little bit of rest. Well, I hope you're insured. <laughs> As the night passes, um, Mason, you have a completely normal night. You you basically zonk out completely. Um, you have some powerful painkillers, mm-hmm. and uh, those basically it's knock opium. you out. Not quite opium, but, oh. you know, something good. Uh, you over here have a very troubled night of horrible sleep. Hmm. You have a terrible nightmare uh, where your head is just full of this buzzing sound, buzzing, buzzing, buzzing. And you just think your whole body is hollow, especially your arm. And you have this dream that you're walking around in the city, New York City, and you're so worried that anything might puncture you or anything might touch you and crumple away your hollow skin. You feel like you're a paper bag in the shape of a man. You get, you know, about halfway home from your office when a homeless man reaches out and touches you and looks at you and his eyes are completely hollow and empty. You can see inside the back of his skull and it's a hornet's nest full of wasps. He opens his mouth and wasps pour out and they fill your mouth sting you inside and out and fill your body until you melt away like wax and you wake up in a horrible sweat well I think I know what happened to Joan I'll just wake up it's morning now it's like 8am Baron how you f- how you faring now, fella? How's that arm of yours? I feel empty. And it's... It's not like... Well, you look pale. Or should I say paler than usual? Nothing I felt before. But tell me, did you get an epiphany? Something of the sort. You said... You said... You know what happened to Joan? But Joanne, whatever her name is. She got bitten. By the same thing that bit me. How do you know she got bitten wasn't that damn panther? I can hear the buzzing now. Damn, you're gonna go to church too? Well, didn't see no cathedral, but... Do you, do you have any urge to... Chop it? Well, I don't know. The thought did cross my mind, but... You don't have a particular supernatural compulsion to chop it. Quite on the contrary, you're very paranoid about anything violating your skin because you think your insides are hollow. That's just hypochondria. No, no. Well, damn. So what are we going to do now? Well... I think we gotta speak to this, uh, this Bobby fellow, and then. All right, all yeah. right. Well, well, we should better head off then now. 
thank the pastor for his for letting us stay here and tending to our wounds. But we got to get back on the road. And you're not looking any healthier by a second, so... Right as you say that, his wife appears at the door. Well, well, you ain't going anywhere till you try my blueberry pancakes. And you see her hold up a plate and she's got two big plates full of blueberry pancakes covered in blueberry sauce. Well, a side of cream. Well, that's mighty fine of you there, lady, but we got places to be, you know. Oh, no, nobody says no to my blueberry pancakes. And she grabs your ear and just starts <laughs> leading <laughs> you to the kitchen Damn. and sits you down. Baron, this lady's crazy. I'm sorry, man, but I don't never eat a blueberry Yeah, before. a spoon of blueberry pancake is forced into your mouth. And the flavor of it. It's so overwhelming <laughs> compared to your palate, which is usually acclimated to only white bread <laughs> with pepper and salt. Um, this rush of flavor hits you like... A bit of color returns to his face. Yeah, like, <laughs> like a hammer falling from heaven. Your eyes light up. Seems to change your personality. Um, well, ma'am. Well, that is the finest blueberry pancake I ever tasted. That was beautiful. No use wasting your words on what we all know. That texture. Now finish your plates before you leave. All right, all right. But then we got to be on our way. This That's case okay. ain't going to crack itself. But I ain't sending you boys away hungry. Not after what you done for us last night. Now she leaves the room. You guys have orange juice and blueberry pancakes and mm. feel a lot fuller and heartier after that pretty terrible night's sleep and, you know, being shot and things like that. Can he use his hand or is it like lifeless? Or can he still It's funny, he up? has full motor control. Okay. Uh, but he has this strange sensation that the arm, the limb particularly, is completely hollow. Kind of and like it, alien? It makes him it? extremely wary of it. Okay. Now imagine if your whole arm was made of thin porcelain or eggshell and you were so afraid that it would get bumped in case it cracked. You see me sort of moving my hand around in front of my face and, and staring at it, um, slightly disturbed. Uh, and then I catch your gaze and pull my sleeve down and um, All right, look well, away. Step into my car. We gotta go. We gotta see what our, our friend Bobby's up to. Okay, well, Bob Cobbler is literally a two minute drive. You could walk there. You could, you could, but you've been shot in the leg, so. Yeah. You drive the two minutes. And uh, you get to Bob Cobbler's house. It's got a beat up Jeep out front. Mm-hmm. Uh, As he said. Pretty run down. Uh, but, you know, there's a few recent improvements to the home. In fact, even though it's quite cheap on the exterior, it does have a fresh lick of paint on it and the roof is new. So Bobby's got a bit of recent money. Um, even the beat up Jeep. Uh, is beat up because it's been very clearly recently crashed. But it's this year's model. Um, you go inside and uh, Bob Cobbler greets you at the door, quickly looks side to side and leads you in. Um, are you wearing uniform? Probably not because it would be all bloody. Yeah, I'm going to say the family offered you their son's clothes. Yeah, because yeah. they would have got shot in a at least not the pants, shoes. Yeah, so you've got in blood, and you've got like fashionable 1981 uh, African American yeah. clothing on. It's probably for the best. So it's going to be like a you know a corduroy pants and yeah. like a, a nice a nice button down shirt with a tight waistcoat. But I'm still wearing a hat. Yeah, of course. Because <laughs> my balding head, I yeah. don't want to show. Yeah, very good. <laughs> um, 
Now I, they let you into the house. Uh, sorry, Bob lets you into his house. Mm. Looks side to side, darting a furtive glance, and leads you into his lounge room. Uh, please, please, gentlemen, uh, t- take a seat. Um, I'm sorry about my nervousness yesterday. I'd uh, mighty, mighty worried about being seen talking to about police officers and who I can only assume are here on behalf of my association with Joan Keys. Yes, you assume correctly now, Bobby. We, uh, we had a bit of a rough night last night, and we, uh, well, our tempers are running thin. We don't have much time. Spit it out, okay? Well, what happened to Joan? bring you up to speed. I was something like a confidential informant. Emphasis on confidential. This is a dangerous town. You've got to understand, there's a lot of money at play, and if people believe that I... Well, if people believe that humble Bob Cobbler here was talking to police, then... Poor Bob Cobbler might not be around for so much longer, you dig me? I understand, Bobby. Well, I've been mighty loose-lipped with you so far, but I'm afraid I only talk for money. I stand to lose a lot by sharing with you. And I only think remuneration would be fair. You stand to lose a lot more by not talking more than just limbs. I'm sorry, was that some kind of threat? As far as I'm aware, I'm a free citizen of this fine state, and you have no warrant to be in my house. Well, Bobby Gobbler, I can smell the non-regulation fittings in your junction box from here, and when this place goes down, you'll be paying the bill. He looks you in the eye. My rate is $50 an hour. If you aren't willing to pay me, I guess I'll just have to deal with the consequences. I look over to, um... Well, Bobby, wouldn't be the first time I killed a man. I'm sorry, Mr. State Trooper, but... And there's no other police here apart from me that will help you out. Oh, so calm try. down, Jackson, and I hand him the 50 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being a mad reasonable. And he glares at Mason, like, very troubled by that. Bob Cobbler, uh, <laughs> reluctantly... He's trying to bri- bribe a police officer. with his life. He's trying to bribe a police yeah, officer. well, you know, you're trying to coerce a citizen. 